Hey, good morning, everyone. How we doing? Good, good. Um, we are in a series looking at the 23rd Psalm, and we've been going line by line. And this is probably one of the most familiar Psalms, if not one of the most familiar passages in all of the Word of God. And we're going to be in a part in the in the Psalm this morning dealing with when life is uncertain. And, and just what we've sang, the prayer that Katie pray, prayed just a moment ago, what do we do when we don't feel it? Have you ever felt that way at times like, I'm just not feeling it. Have you ever felt that? Like there's some days where you just feel really close to God and you feel like your prayers are being heard and you open up the word of God and you're like, man, this is just speaking to me and you just want to talk about it. You want to talk about it with other people. And then there's times where you just read it and you're like, I ain't feeling it today. Am I the only one that, is anybody here this morning? Am I, okay, can, get an amen out there, something out there. I know you guys are ticking. Um, th- there are times where we're going to go through our lives where we just don't feel it or we don't sense it or we feel like because of all the things that I'm going through, God, are you there? And there's going to be times where we walk and we're going to talk about walking through these valleys of darkness. And David does not shy away from those things. The reality of King David's life is there were times when he walked through what he felt like was the valley of the shadow of death. And so he is raw about his feelings. He, 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 he's not hiding them back. He's giving them to the Lord. And, but, but he writes this down. He writes this in a song form to remind himself that even in the valleys, God is there. And as we've been studying the, the 23rd Psalm, basically what's interesting about the Psalms is that the word in the Greek literally means to pluck, basically to pluck. It's like plucking an instrument or a string. In English, it simply means a song. Daniel wrote many, many of the Psalms. This one is probably the most popular. And the reason why I believe this is so popular is because it speaks to everything that we go through in our lives. And David relates this psalm to a shepherd taking care of his sheep. And David understood this because he took care of his father's flock. He understood the closeness that the shepherd would have with the sheep. He understood the responsibility he had taking care of the sheep, making sure they're okay, making sure that they were healthy, making sure that uh, they avoided predators to protect them from any outside influences or something that would come to harm them. David doesn't hide the fact that life is hard at times. David parallels this psalm to a good, good shepherd who always takes care of his flock, even when there is danger, even when they walk through a dark valley and they can't see that far in front of them. The sheep trust the shepherd that he will get them through. And there's a couple of things we're going to see in this psalm, in this particular verse, of why David could take comfort in the dark valleys that God was going to get him through. How how did he have that confidence? And how can you and I this morning have a confidence knowing that if you're walking through a dark valley, to have that confidence, even though I I may not feel it, but I know that I know that God would see, see me through. Do you realize you can have that confidence this morning? That even if you're walking through a dark valley, you can have a confidence knowing that God will see you through. And David will give us two things 
of confidence, knowing that God will see us through. So you got to wait to the end because I'm going to give you those two things. And and this is so important as we read read this psalm. And so what he does is he he compares the Lord to a shepherd who takes care of of all our needs. And I'm going to look at verse four here because verse four is an interesting transition in the psalm because what David does he gets very real and honest and he shares the reality of our life at times. So we're going to read up to verse four. We're going to read. We're going to look at verse four today. We're going to read uh, verses one through four today. So as every week we've been reading this together and i've been enjoying reading this together so shall we read this together the first four voice the first uh first four verses and i have them up on the screen together it's in the niv so let's read it together ready one two three the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters he refreshes my soul he guides me along the right path for his name's sake And even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, I, as we just come before you today, we need your help. And every single one of us, there there are times that we walk through a valley that we don't see what's in front of us. And it's scary. And it can be depleting to us and our strength. But Lord, we thank you that you never leave us, that you never will forsake us, and that we can have confidence knowing that you are still with us. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone that's here today that's just struggling, that maybe is going through a, a dark valley, and they say, Pastor, that, that, that's absolutely me right now. Maybe it's a physical valley. Maybe it's a, a, a financial valley. Maybe it's a, an emotional valley. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit today. This is your word. And your word is alive. And it speaks to us today as much as it spoke to David thousands of years ago. And I pray that you would speak it to our hearts today. That we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers. That we would allow it to permeate our hearts today. So that we would know you, not just know about you, but know you personally as a good shepherd knows his sheep. Thank you for your word. Speak it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Amen. So here we see, we're going to look at verse 4 here. And David says, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, or, or in some translations, the valley of death. What is David saying here? David is saying, even when life is uncertain and I, and I can't see in front of me and I don't know what's going on, God, you are still with me. And it's this picture. And I want you to understand what the picture is here. It's a, it's a picture of a deep, narrow valley, a, a gorge or, a, or a, a small canyon. There's basically one way in and one way out. And I've got a picture here of when we were in Utah uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we were in southern Utah on a missions trip. And uh, there's a couple that used to attend our church and they live out there and they work with a ministry team in this one town on the uh, southern part of Utah, northern part of Arizona. And this uh, canyon, this little valley, they took us through and they said, hey, you want to go hiking this afternoon? So we go, yeah, let's do it. And, and Mark and Cindy Wooster, great part of our family for so many years and they're ministering out there. Now, their hike is like, oh, this is just a fun little walk. So we're like, oh, okay. Well, it wasn't a fun little walk. I almost died in this hike that they 
And Cindy's like, oh, it's no big, if you know her, she's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's great. It'll be fun, right? And then we almost thought we were going to die taking this hike in the snow, by the way. Um, so I want to give you a picture here of what David's talking about. As I was walking, it was a, it was like, you know, what we thought was going to be like a half-mile hike ended up being like a 35-mile hike. No, it wasn't that much, but it was a long hike. We're walking through this canyon, beautiful, beautiful part of this canyon in, in southern Utah. And we, the group is walking, and I kind of got ahead of the group. One group stopped, and, and I kept wanting to go because the trail kept going. Well, as the trail kept going, the snow was getting deeper because the sun couldn't hit the bottom of the canyon, and it kept getting darker. And so I'm all by myself, and I'm like, okay, should I keep going or should I turn around? But the trail kept going. I go, this is kind of cool. It's kind of beautiful. So I took a picture way up in the canyon. Well, as I look down, I see these uh, footprints, and they're not like human. They're like paw prints. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I kept going. All of a sudden, I hear growling. And I look above me, and there's a mountain lion above me. I'm teasing. I'm just teasing. I just wanted to hear if you guys were, I'm just teasing. I just want to see if you guys were listening and you're awake this morning. I do that to you once in a while, just so you follow me. There's no mountain lion. That would have been cool. There are mountain lions there though. All right. But I didn't run into one. But as I got into this canyon, it was dark. And I'm like, what am I doing? So I turned around and walked back. And this is, this is the picture that David wants us to sense here. It's a, it's a canyon where there's one way in and one way out. And there's just walls above you. So you feel like you're, you're trapped. The, the sun is not coming down. It, it's, it's dark. And this is what David is feeling right now. He's feeling in his life, even though I walk through this valley, this dark valley, it, it, it even feels like, a, a, because in these dark valleys, it can be very dangerous. You're very vulnerable. You, you, you can be open to attack. And this is what David's expressing because there's many times in David's life where he felt because the enemy was pursuing him, he felt like he was in this dark valley. This is exactly the way he, he felt. And then what he, he does is he relates it to a good shepherd. How does the father take care of us when we're walking through this valley? And he says, even in this valley, even in this canyon, I don't have to fear. Now, he's not denying his feelings. He's not saying that I don't feel this way. I don't feel down. I don't feel afraid. He doesn't say I'm not nervous. But what he says is I don't have to fear. He places his life in something else. Instead of placing his life in the circumstances around him and what his circumstances may dictate to his heart, he says, I'm not going to let that be the factor that changes my heart for you. I'm not going to allow my circumstances to bring fear into my heart when I know who you are, God. Even though I'm still in this valley, I know who you are and I don't have to fear I don't have to allow fear to grip my heart or to lead my heart or to lead my life knowing who you are. Now, how can he say that? Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through right now or what I've been through or what I'm feeling right now. And see, what David does is the translation here, the valley of the shadow of death, can also be translated as a valley of deep darkness. Now, let me drill down because some of you may have never seen this in this verse. And David is talking about something very specific here. 
See, the, the area that David shepherd would be these desert valleys, or they're called wadis. And a wadi is a ravine, mostly dry channel, except in the rainy season. And a wadi or a valley can be a dangerous place for flash floods, for robbers, for wild animals, for mountain lions. No, just teasing. Uh, it, can be, it can be a very dangerous place, and you can be very vulnerable. But David's talking about something even more here. What is he talking about? Is he, is he talking about a, a, a physical valley? He, he's relating it to that. But David's talking about something different here. What David is speaking to is emotional darkness. See, there are going to be times in our lives where we just feel emotionally depleted, maybe oppressed, maybe depressed. Justin Alfred, he, he brings out something interesting here. He says, the death shadow is a metaphor for one sinking into deep emotional depression. And, and, and there is a metaphorical emotional darkness that one sinks into, and in doing so, it can at times appear that there's no way to come out of this submersion. This is what Alfred says, and it's interesting. This is what David's feeling. There are times in David's life where he was at his wit's end, the enemy was continually pursuing him, and emotionally he was drained to the point to where he was depressed. And he says, this is where sometimes I find myself, that I'm in this, I'm literally in this emotional darkness. So what David does is he doesn't deny that at times we go through dark times, times that we struggle with. And, and it's sad to say, um, sometimes we don't do a good job with that. Sometimes we're, we're embarrassed to say, hey, I'm going through a tough time or emotionally I'm having difficulty handling this because we feel like it's a sign of weakness as a Christian. Can I give you one word for that? That's what I say to that, okay? <laughs> Listen, we're all going to go, and it's not a sign of spiritual weakness. Capiche? You, are you hearing me? It's not a sign of spiritual weakness when you feel... David said, even though I walk through this emotional darkness, I'm not going to fear. David's not denying it. It's not spiritual weakness. And this is where we need each other. We need other people to talk to. It's important that we recognize that, that we need to pray for each other, that knowing that there are going to be times that we are going to walk through these dark times. But here's what David does. He doesn't deny it, but despite the uncertainty, David understands that God will be with him and that he didn't have to fear even though he was having these feelings. And it's okay that, that we reach out to other people, that we, that, that we ask for prayer, that sometimes we need professional help. That's okay to do that. But how can David have this confidence to say, I'm not going to allow the fear, even though I feel this way and I'm in this position in my life, I'm not going to allow the fear to rule my heart. Now, how, how can he say that? How could David have confidence when everything around him would say otherwise, even when he was in that dark valley? Why wasn't David fearful? And there's two reasons. The two reasons are God's rod and his staff. There are the two reasons. Now, we have to understand, what does that mean? He says, but your rod and your staff are with me. Now, what does that mean? 
Because when we think of a rod, we think of it more as, as discipline. But let, let me tell you what the rod was, was for. The shepherd would carry two essential things. He would carry a rod and, and a staff. And it was these two things that comforted David as he was walking through this dark emotional time in his life. It was God's rod and the staff. Why would he say that? Well, there's a couple of uses for the rod. One, the rod was a stick to fight off predators from attacking the flock. So it was a small rod and it was just like a billy club and a predator came in. He could defend himself from these, so, so, the, you know, from predators. So the sheep felt secure under the care of the shepherd. So, so David uses this imagery as God's rod of protection. Because for the flock, the rod was a symbol of actually love and care. That, that the shepherd was caring and loving and protecting the flock. And that's what God does for us. Even though we may feel this way or we may not feel God is near or we may feel this emotional darkness right now in our lives, David knew that God was still there and that God was still going to care for him and that God would protect him. God would ultimately fight for him. So, and, and the other in- interesting thing about the use of the, of the rod is the rod was used to count the sheep. He would use it to count the sheep. Now, it, it would be the saying of they would come under the rod. So he would count the sheep, the end of the day or whatever, he would count the sheep, they'd come into the fold, they would come under the rod, and they would literally pass under the rod one at a time, and the shepherd knew each one of them. So it's kind of like, all right, here's, here's Sammy, right? He had names for all of them. Here's Fluffy. Here's whatever he had the name for the sheep. And, he t- and, and, the, and he would, the, the sheep would literally come under the covering or, or being counted as one of the flock. And so what the shepherd w- would also use the rod for would not only to count them and they would know that they're under his protection, but he'd also use the rod to closely look under the wool so they could examine the sheep for any diseases or wounds. There's a great, great book called The Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. Some of you may have, have read that, and some great imagery there up from a shepherd himself and how he looks at the 23rd Psalm. And so the rod would be used for just diseases and wounds to look to make sure that the sheep are okay health-wise, constantly looking over them. Now, walking through a dark valley, David understood that God would protect and never forget about them. So the rod imagery is there coming under, being counted, knowing that the Lord knows you. He hasn't lost your name. You might feel lost. You might feel down. But God hasn't lost track of you. You're under his rod of protection. He sees you. He knows you. He hasn't lost count of you, even though we may not feel that at times. So we should never forget that, that if, if, as we take this and, and we, and we um, place it to the imagery of who Jesus is and what he does for us, and Jesus being that perfect good shepherd for you and I, we should never forget that Jesus walked through the darkest valley for us. And he fa- faced death head on for us. So we're never, ever alone. And what Jesus does is he conquers death, death through his resurrection. And our hope is this, our hope is this, that our life doesn't stay in the valley. That that's not where we live. We may walk through it in times, but that's not our destiny. That's not our final destiny. The, the Lord's rod helps us to know that he never loses count of us. And I love this conversation that 
um, Jesus has with Martha, if, if you remember it, where Martha and Mary have a brother named Lazarus, and, and Jesus is close to this family, and uh, Lazarus passes away. And they called for Jesus, but he delayed his coming. And so they're confused, and they, you know, they're like, if Jesus would have just come early, he could have healed him of whatever sickness he was dying from. But Jesus purposely delayed his coming to show his power over death. So Jesus waits, he comes there, they, they hear that Jesus is coming, and Martha runs to meet him. And, and just like, you know, she's sad, her brother has just died and passed away, and the word is given that Jesus is coming, and so Jesus comes, and, and Martha meets Jesus, and she begins to talk to him, and her disappointment doesn't understand why Jesus didn't come sooner. She's in a dark valley, she's in this valley of death. Now, we understand through the story that Jesus will raise Lazarus from the dead. We see how he conquers that. But he wanted Martha to trust him over her circumstances. He wanted to give her hope beyond what she could see. Now, catch this in the story. Before Jesus raises her brother from the dead, he does something incredible. And he speaks these words to Martha before he does this incredible miracle. He asks Martha a question. And this is the thing that's going to help us through those valleys of darkness that we walk through. And the question he poses to her is this. He asks her in so many words, do you trust me? In so many words, he's saying, do you believe in me? Do you know who I am? Now, this is before, this isn't like, okay, now he raises Lazarus from the dead. She goes, okay, now I believe in you. Yeah. Listen to what he says. Recorded for us in John 11, 25 and 27. Jesus says her to her, before he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead, he says, I'm the resurrection of life. The one who, what? What's the word there? Yeah, the one who believes in me will what? Will live even though they what? They die. So right now she's in the valley. She's in this valley of death, right? She doesn't see her brother raised to life yet. She knew if he would have come earlier, he would have healed her. She does believe he can heal. She, she knows this. And he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Death has no say here. Death does not have the final say. Do you believe that? The dark valley does not have the final say in our lives. Somebody say amen. This is the confidence that David has. So he says to her, and whoever believes, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's not saying, wait a minute, I'm going to go raise your brother dead and then you'll believe. He goes, no, do you believe it right now? Before I do a thing, do you believe it right now? And she said, what? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I love that. She believed before she saw. She believed before she witnessed the great miracle. She believed in him. So yes, 
There will be death. There will be valleys. But it doesn't have the final say. And what, and what Jesus is saying is, very simply, he's saying we are never alone. We are never alone. Jesus told his disciples that he would never, ever leave them alone, ever. So even though we go through these times, David understood, you are with me. Your, your rod, it, it's there. It, it, it protects me. It, it, it counts me as one of yours. See, David knew that, even though he was walking through a dark valley. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples, because they're, they're worried because he's leaving. He tells them he's going to leave them. They're not sure all the things are going to happen, so they're nervous, they're worried. And Jesus tells them in John 14, 18, 19, he says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans, and I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will live. This isn't the final say. Yeah, you're going to see me die on a cross, but the cross is not the final act. The empty tomb, the resurrection is the final act. Even though you die, you will live. And so he said, I will take care of you. And so David alludes not only to the rod, but he also alludes to the staff. The staff of the shepherd symbolizes God's care for the sheep. From a shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm, it says this, the staff more than any other item of his personal equipment identifies the shepherd as the shepherd. No one in any other profession carries a shepherd's staff. It is uniquely an instrument used for the care and the management of the sheep and only sheep. It is designed, shaped, and adapted especially for the needs of the sheep. And basically what it is, is it's a, it's a symbol of comfort, and guidance. So even though I'm walking through this valley, this dark valley, this emotionally dark valley, I can know and I can have confidence that I don't have to fear because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, let me fast forward that to today. What is our rod and our staff? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our rod and our staff. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14 again. He says, If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Who is the advocate? The advocate's the Holy Spirit. The word advocate in the Greek means is the word paraclete, which means comforter, encourager, counselor, always there for us, always guiding us. Even though I'm walking through this valley, there's something within me that's giving me peace. What is that thing? It's the Holy Spirit within you reminding you, hey, Barden, guess what? You're a child of the Father. I know you're going through this, but I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Just trust me. Because I'm walking with you through this. And you're never alone. I just want you to know this morning, whatever you're thinking, and maybe this week you thought of it, like I feel so alone that I feel like no one else hears me. That's not the Lord speaking to you. That's another voice that you need to rebuke right away. (laughs) Because that's not the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father says, I love you. 
and I'll walk with you and I will guide you. The Holy Spirit gives you comfort and security knowing that you are his and that you are never alone. See, I want you to see the one interesting thing here. David learned to depend entirely on the Lord even when he was in the valley. Even when he was in that dark valley. And I know valleys aren't fun. It's not. But the valleys help us to see that God is there. It's in the valley that we learn to depend and trust on God, don't we? It's there that that we can know his love and his security even when everything is not perfect in our lives. And I want you to know he's there. Um, I had to learn what a theology of suffering was all about. And I think one thing that we lack in many Christian, in, in our Christian circles is how do I learn that God is with me in my suffering? And unless we understand the gospel and what Jesus faced for us, that he faced all our suffering for us, we're going to fall short. We're going to feel like God owes this to me or that I shouldn't go through this. I don't know why we go through the things that we do, but I can trust the shepherd knowing that he's with us. Um, some of you... Uh, That's why I didn't talk about this a couple of weeks ago because I knew I wouldn't get through it and I'm not getting through it now after a couple of weeks have gone by. One of my favorite authors and pastors and I've read most all of his books was a pastor, Timothy Keller. Passed away a couple of weeks ago. There probably hasn't been one person who hasn't shaped my ministry like he has. And the reason why is for the longest time, I really never understood a theology of suffering until I began to read many of his books on suffering. Pastor Keller passed away from cancer a couple weeks ago. He was in his 70s. We've done marriage seminars. We did a marriage conference a couple, you know, last year, and him and his wife uh, with a video series, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And many of you have probably read some of his books. I can't recommend them more highly. But I want you to understand something. Is that there's a purpose and a reason for all that. That even though you walk through the valley even though maybe you're in that valley now, it's not wasted. And the one thing I learned from Pastor Keller was this, is don't waste your suffering because God can use it in ways that you never thought possible. As crazy as that might sound, he can use it for his glory and his purposes to draw you closer to him. I've got a, um, they post, I follow their ministry, Gospel and Life Ministry, and they posted, they've been posting a lot of things lately, and, and I grabbed a hold of one of the things that they posted from Pastor Keller, and I, I wanted to show it to you because he does such a wonderful job 
explaining the gospel during times of suffering. And I just wanted to play that for you now. I thought it was a beautiful, I, I was going to quote it, but I said he does a much better job than I would. So I just wanted to show it to you now. Go ahead and look up at the screen. Donald Green Barnhouse was a Presbyterian minister in Philadelphia. And uh, he was uh, either on his way driving his, his, his kids to or on their way from the funeral of their mother, his wife. And the youngest of the children who was in the car, you know, he was trying to help. And at one point he looked up and he said, do you see that truck? Do you see the shadow of that truck? Would you rather be hit by the truck or by the shadow? And the youngest kid said, by the shadow. And Donald Gray Barnhouse said, because Jesus was hit by the truck of death, your mother only had to go through the shadow of it. The sting of death is sin. And the poison went into Jesus. And that's the reason why George Herbert can say, death used to be an executioner, but because of the gospel, it's only a gardener. If you're here and you're not sure you believe in Christianity, in fact, if you're here and you're not sure you believe in God, I got a clue for you that there is one. C.S. Lewis wrote this. If you really are a product of a materialistic universe, why don't you feel at home in a world where we die and disintegrate? Do fish complain of the sea for being wet? Or if they did, would that not strongly suggest that they were once not purely aquatic creatures? Why are we continually shocked and repulsed by death unless indeed something in us is not temporal? Do you see what he's saying? That's great. He says, why would we be angry at death and disintegration unless we knew we were meant to live forever? Why wouldn't it feel completely natural? Why does it not feel natural? Why do you get mad at it? Why do you know this isn't the way you ought to be? Do fish feel wet? No. You know? If you are not at home in a universe of death, and that means you actually were built for something else. I, I love what he quoted George Herbert and says, so many words, you don't bury Christians, you only plant them. See, when we walk through the valley, it's supposed to hurt. It's not like, oh, yay, I'm in the valley. This is great, right? No. The reason why is exactly what Pastor Keller said, because we're not meant for this world. But I want you to know that your valley doesn't have the final say in your life. It doesn't. Christ conquered that for you. He faced it for you. Just as Pastor Keller said, he took the poison for you. And as we just close in song today, and if you're here today and, and you're just struggling, my, my desire for you today is just to reach out to the Lord and, and let's not try to hide it. Let's not try to just whitewash it or maybe you feel like you're less of a Christian because of the things that you've gone through or why would God do this or why am I always struggling or why am I struggling with this? I want you to know that even in your struggle, Jesus understands and he is there rod and staff will comfort you the holy spirit will comfort you you reach out to him and allow him just to speak to your heart and whatever you're going through and put your confidence in him that's where you don't have to fear or lose hope because your confidence is in a risen savior amen amen so father god we come before you and we thank you lord that even though we walk through the darkest valleys, we're not going to fear. Evil does not have the final say. 
Jesus, you faced death for us. You took the poison for us. And for us, it's just a shadow when you took the direct hit, Jesus. So we thank you that your promises are true, that you never leave us or forsake us, that that nothing separates us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Give us that confidence today as we put our hope in you and you alone. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. And all God's children said, Amen.